Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, it took five months, but Jabari Smith seems to have truly figured it out. But I do, you know, this is that those moments again where I feel like I need to do that. Let me talk to you for a minute about whatever. And it's not necessarily that I need to talk to you for a minute about Jabari Smith Jr. Because he's just one example in a long, long, long line of examples of this same thing happening every single year. And so I did say during my, if you if this is the second season or more that you've been listening to Fantasy NBA today, you remember that during my kind of the post-mortem season ended, season died, and we went back and we looked at our lessons learned. And one of the lessons that I learned from last year was I felt I needed to be a little bit less intensely harsh on rookie big men if their percentages were not that terrible. Now, the interesting thing about this particular rookie crop is that there weren't really any rookie big men that were expected to play a bunch right out of the chute. We ended up getting some Mark Williams here late in the season before this this hand injury. We ended up getting Jalen Duran by, I think that was December, he started to move into a, a little bit more of a prominent role. But if you look back at your fantasy draft, there just there wasn't really a rookie big getting drafted because Chet Holmgren was going to be that guy. It was going to be Chet. He got hurt. And so then it was mostly rookie wings, ball-dominant ones, less ball-dominant ones. But uh, effectively, Paolo was getting drafted at a, a somewhat early clip. Uh, Keegan Murray was getting drafted seemingly too early. Jabari Smith Jr. was another one, and those were probably the biggest three of the rookie names coming off the board on draft day. And they all profiled, and if you wanted to go to some of the the smaller dudes, like a Jaden Ivey, although he wasn't really getting drafted because Cade was expected to play for at least some of this year, these, these wings... Going into the season, I think the thought was, well, Keegan Murray at least doesn't have to be a focal point. There was never going to be, he was never going to get shoehorned into a crap ton of usage to start the year in the way that Paolo, we knew he was going to get all kinds of usage. And Jabari Smith Jr. was likely to get a pretty good chunk of usage. These guys are, you know, top three picks. So their team was going to do stuff with them. And they were on teams that were rebuilding. So they fell right into that very repeatable zone of rookies that were expected to do a bunch of stuff that had no idea how to handle the NBA. The worst case scenario for this is a rookie guard, a rookie ball-dominant guard, because then you get all the trappings of rookiedom and turnovers on top of it. And that's kind of what you had a little bit with Paolo, but for him, more of it was the percentages. That's rookie stuff right there. Those things do tend to come around. He's at least a bigger body, so the season didn't crush him the way it does some others. But, like, Jabari Smith Jr. is a perfect example of a dude who has a rookie NBA body, was trying to figure out how to have decent efficiency on a team that didn't really know how to play with one another. And the only saving grace was that he wasn't 
an initiator on that Rockets team, so at least the turnovers weren't all that high. But it's the same story on repeat every single year. Other than rookie big men who have okay percentages, you get these guys who have terrible efficiency. It happens every year. And the best rookie is usually one that kind of comes out of nowhere. This year it was Jalen Williams. He wasn't drafted in a single one of my leagues. And they're relatively competitive, and now he's inside the top 80, and he's been much better than that over the last two and a half, three months after a slow start to the year. That wasn't the guy that everybody was taking in the 7th, 8th round. It was Paolo. It was Jabari Smith Jr. It was Keegan. And these guys, Keegan Murray at least got up to 114 on the year. I mean, that's like, at least that's serviceable. The rest of these guys aren't even really close. But Jabari Smith Jr. is figuring it out now. And that's the other half of this rookie equation, is that there is usually a point somewhere along the way, mid-season, whatever, that... Rookies begin to figure out uh, how how to be a little bit more efficient. It's not so much that it's just like, oh, well, this is how I do it. They just get comfortable. The game slows down a little bit for them. I feel like Trey Young, going back, is one of the, the clearest examples we've had of that. And honest to goodness, I couldn't tell you guys how long Trey's been in the NBA anymore. I feel like it's, what, four or five seasons now? How long's Trey been around? Uh, well, sorry, Yahoo doesn't, uh, show the career numbers anymore for some reason on their player pages. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. What are you doing, Yahoo? Why did you take the career numbers off of the player page and it goes only to game log? Fix yourself, you idiots. I gotta go to a different page? They're gonna lose a lot of traffic that way. Anyway, Trey came into the league in 2018. It's part of the 2018 draft class, so this is his fifth season overall. That first year, he shot 41.8% from the field. But it was really, it was more than that. And, you know, we can, uh, I can't share this screen to my delightful YouTube viewers, not fast enough at least. But if you go back to the 2018-2019 season, and you just sort of like play along with us on this game, and split it into the pre- and post-All-Star stretches so you know go from October to whatever it is I don't know when the exact all-star game was but if you go October to February and you pull up Trey Young's numbers he was shooting 41 percent that was first 50 games of the year something like that so you know most of the season and then if you go from you know mid-February whatever it is let's say like February 10th to when did the season end Mid-April, I, again, I have no idea the exact dates, and frankly, it's too slow to do on a, a podcast. He shot 43%, and his free throw went up from 81 to 87. And it's weird how these things kind of work in conjunction, where when a game slows down and a player just gets a little bit more comfortable, Trey Young went from being outside the top 100 to being a top 40 play the second half of his rookie season. And it was just those little tweaks which is why, and it, there's there are ways to pull this off that are not all that insane. If you draft a rookie, you're going to be squatting on it for a long time. You just pray that the rookie's figuring things out by January, because usually it doesn't happen earlier than that. Optimally, though, eventually people are going to get annoyed with their rookies. 
People are annoyed with Paolo now because he still hasn't really gotten the efficiency stuff sorted out this year. He's shooting 42% from the field, 75% at the free throw line on high volume. Paolo Boncaro is near departing the top 200 in fantasy. He got off to a quick start, too. Jabari Smith Jr. is just inside the top 150 while shooting 40% from the field and 79 at the free throw line, although his turnovers, again, are much more respectable. But this is what you're dealing with. Everybody, myself included, I would have run out of patience for Jabari Smith Jr. a long time ago, took the dude 60 games for the game to slow down a little bit for him, but it's happening now. And I want us to remember this moment, and we're going to talk about this during our lessons learned after the season ends as well. When do you go out and try to get a rookie? Because it ain't on draft day. But if you can pull off a midseason swipe for something like this, and you know, you're in the playoffs right now, and Jabari just kicked it into high gear, holy crap. I don't think he got dropped in many spots because people spent a decent draft pick on him and they had these high hopes, but he very much could have been acquired for a kind of quiet later producer for a while there. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I needed to do a let me talk to you about segment at the beginning of the show. I am Dan Bespris at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Playoff fantasy basketball rumbles on. Hope you guys are hanging in there. Uh, I lost one team. I thought I lost my 30 deep team, but I actually won by precisely two points. Because Dario Sharish somehow outscored Jeremy Grant. That's a team that's missing Kevin Durant. I just there's I mean, there's no hope that it's gonna advance any farther, but it's funny that I was able to squeeze past one. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. And right now, I mean, you know, if your team is staying healthy, you're probably hanging in there in your fantasy playoffs. Otherwise, probably not. Anyway, let's recap a kind of short Monday by all accounts. Seven-gamer yesterday. Detroit swamped Indiana, but the Pacers were without everybody. No Tyrese Halliburton, no TJ McConnell, no Miles Turner, no Benedict Matherin. And Chris Duarte left this game partway through with some ankle soreness. Got a hurt ankle. The good news is, when all of those guys are out, Andrew Nemhart is streamable, although the Pacers don't have a great schedule this week, so you know these, these streams for Indy make more sense in a roto format because we don't know if anybody's going to be back by their next game on Thursday. Isaiah Jackson, obviously a terrific one-night stream. You kind of have to just play this Indy stuff 
on a, a day-to-day basis. I wouldn't add any of these guys in head-to-head. I will definitely add Isaiah Jackson and Roto and hope that we can squeeze another game out of him, but that's probably as far as, far as I go on the Indiana side. As far as Detroit is concerned, uh, Jalen Duran and James Wiseman splitting the center minutes right down the pipe, and they each actually had pretty good ball games. Durant, they each double-doubled. They combined for a steal in five blocks, almost splitting those down the middle as well. Combined for 25 rebounds. Um, I don't know who the hell is going to start their next ball game because it's tonight, and there's, I think, a reasonable chance that at least one, maybe both of those guys, sits out the back-to-back. Uh, I still think that Duran is your guy longer term. Certainly in Dynasty or Keeper formats, he's your guy longer term. But Detroit's going to give Wiseman an opportunity here. I will point out that Wiseman was a minus one in a game his team won by 20. And Duran was a plus 21. Some of that was picking on the bench of a team that had to start their bench because there were so many guys out. But Detroit's kind of in that same monster. Detroit is all about head-to-head streams right now. Because you can't really trust Duran in 23 minutes. You can't really trust Wiseman in 24 minutes. You can't really trust Isaiah Livers because his fantasy game isn't very good. And uh, he hurt his hip in yesterday's ball game. Killian Hayes is tough to trust because at some point, Jaden Ivey is going to show back up. Although you could roll with Killian sh- super short-term in Roto because he probably will play tonight. Corey Joseph has actually been rolling. He might be playable tonight. Uh, Eugene Omarui is... Had a really nice ball game, but I mean, so it, I mean, it's worth keeping an eye on. I don't want to just write it off completely because Marvin Bagley's out for a few days, and Isaiah Stewart's out for the year, and they just don't. Ha- and Hamadou Diallo's out for the season, I think. Right? Did we see that? Well, he's out for a bit, even if it's not the season. I think it's the season though. Uh, so there really isn't anybody left to play power forward on this team. So you might not have a choice. Honestly, I think if he does it again tonight, big Eugene then you consider it because they're just sort of nobody else coming for those minutes. What I don't know is whether or not this fantasy game will actually translate. This was a particularly nice fantasy game for everybody on the Pistons. And so you don't really want to make your assessments based on that. You can look at some of the recent games for uh, Omarui, Oregon product, um, you know, he played 23, 27, 26, 32 minutes over his last four ball games. He has five steals and a block over those contests. He's averaging about four and a half rebounds, one three-pointer. Percentages are fine, but unspectacular. I don't know. I don't think I'm racing out. I don't think that there's, like, this magical end point here to all of this. But, uh, you know, if you had the, the foresight to roll with it yesterday, it probably worked. Here's the thing. We got to break anything, anything and everything we talk about right now. We got to break down head to head side and roto side. They're different right now. Head to head, you're looking for maximum streamage. Rest of season value, you just don't even care anymore. Roto, you're looking for per game hyper upside. Neither side, you're really looking at rest of season anymore, which is what makes doing a podcast right now in fantasy very complicated. Because like, oh, this guy might have rest of season. Who cares? I don't need rest of season. Roto, I need powerhouse per game, so that's why I love Isaiah Jackson, even if I don't even get to use him. And then head-to-head, I want all the games played in the shortest number of time. Detroit was that. They're three and four starting in yesterday, three games in four days. 
for a lot of these guys. So Corey Joseph, I actually did pick him up in a league yesterday. I can't believe it worked as well as it did. He had five three-pointers. I would expect a severe dropping back to earth. But, I mean, dude's playing starters minutes right now. Killian Hayes on the back-to-back made a lot of sense. Roto side? Meh. Killian for a day, maybe? Would I go Joseph for a day? I think if I was targeting some steals and a couple of assists with, like, okay efficiency, it's on the cusp. If all of the centers sit for the Pistons, honest to goodness, I don't even any idea what they would do at that point. Uh, you'll get some true silly season madness. If only one of the two centers, Duran or Wiseman, sits, then the other one is an obvious play in all formats at that point. Sheesh. Memphis got a big game out of David Roddy. Um, he's been doing that somewhat consistently here lately, kind of playing like a severely undersized center-ish sort of deal. Um, he's hit seven three-pointers his last two ball games, but he's also only played 24 minutes each or combined in the or excuse me, average in those ball games. Uh, so I don't. I don't think that I can do the the David Roddy dance. Sorry. Tillman is a start. Obviously, Tyus Jones is a start. Wasn't as great in this one, but obviously there too. And then on the Dallas side, uh, Jaden Hardy, big ball game. He took 25 shots. Josh Green had a big ball game, but a lot of that was, and you guys know this already, because Luka and Kyrie and Christian Wood were all out for the Mavericks. So they just didn't have any offense, and it's why they shot 39%. Because Memphis wasn't afraid of anybody on that team. And they said, fine, you guys go take a bunch of shots. Jaden and Josh have at it. And we knew the uh, other shoe was going to drop for Tim Hardaway Jr. I cannot believe my misfortune that the team that basically kept me from going to the playoffs in the one league of mine that ended uh, on Sunday was a team that had Tim Hardaway Jr. And I mean, this, this is a guy that was barely doing anything for like two months and then Luca and Kyrie both go down, and I mean, it just I'm so I'm so irritated. The head-to-head stuff just continues to drive me completely insane. Anyway, this is what it looks like when Hardaway's not rolling, and now you got to get out of it. You know, you can go with it when he's hot. You got to get out of the way when he's cold because it is real bad. Ooh, is it bad? And I'm not picking up Hardy or Green. I think I would imagine we see Kyrie on Wednesday, but. They also have the Spurs on the road for that ball game. Kind of check out the schedule. That might be a game they rest Kyrie because they're pretty sure they can win it. Luca, I don't, I didn't sound like he was all that close. Kyrie was closer. And if that's the case, then you know you might be able to squeeze a game out of Hardy and Green. But that's a move you're really considering more so on the Roto side because you don't want to make a move to those guys and then not get them with this sort of big upside play. Gabe Vincent played better for Miami. Just needed Kyle Lowry behind him to, guess. I guess, push him into playing better basketball. Those two guys are probably going to be in a bit of a timeshare, and whoever's playing better is going to get the bonus minutes. So just stick with Jimmy Butler, Bam, and Tyler Hero, and don't do anything else with the Heat. Miami had a really good schedule for a while there. It now peters out a tad. They have one game over the next four days before a weekend back-to-back and then a two- and a three-game week coming up after that. So uh, Miami is a spot where you're only looking for roto plays, and beyond the main dudes, there aren't any right now. Utah. Larry Markkinen still playing. 
I like that. Kelly Olynyk still playing. He wasn't very good in this game, but I like it. I like that he's playing. Walker Kessler played through a flu or a cold or he had something, so you can forgive him the the slightly depressed line against Bam Adebayo. Uh, Simone Fontecchio. Is that Fontecchio? That's my, I really should have looked that up. Uh, I think it's Fontecchio. Uh, big ball game. He does this about once every like four or five days. If you can figure out when it's coming, good luck to you. THT, high turnover, low field goal percent game. This is one of the big fears with him is that he doesn't really have a great fantasy game. But with both Jordan Clarkson and uh, Colin Sexton still out, I think there's probably enough for you to play THT most games. And then Chris Dunn, who only got 21 minutes in this game, he and, and Taylor Nord Tucker split the, the point guard minutes basically by themselves. Chris Dunn's been putting up numbers in extremely limited time. So anytime he gets more than that, it's just kind of gravy. Chris Dunn does belong on rosters right now. Utah, terrible schedule for the head-to-head side, so that, that discussion was mostly for Roto. You can pretty much drop everybody on this team besides Walker, Kessler, and Larry Markinen. Everyone else is a drop. Don't say, but what about? No. THD, drop. Chris Dunn, drop. Colin Sexton, drop. Jordan Clarkson, drop. Lowry, Kelly Olenek is a drop. Sorry, I love him. You know I love Kelly, but, you know, top 80, top 90 is not enough in a head-to-head scenario when they've got one game in six days the rest of this week. There's almost nobody in the NBA that's truly that good enough beyond that. But, like, how much is it going to help you to have those guys the following week? Some, but other guys in that range are going to get dropped by teams that also are running into bad schedules. So just assume you'll be able to get somebody useful back for next week. You just can't play Jazz with one game in six days. Unfortunately, you need to hold on to Kessler and Markinen because they've been so good lately. Uh, but overall, you need to be punting on everybody else. Minnesota just came in and ran the Hawks in this ball game. Their defense, their offense, all of it was just vastly superior, and it was uh, this game was basically over early. Fantasy-wise, we're fortunate that the Hawks let Trey Young just kind of keep playing. I don't really know why they did that. Uh, and Trey ended up with 41, one of his better games of the year, honestly, in a really bad losing effort. Hawks side, you know, we've talked about this all week long. Since Quinn Snyder came in, he's basically just telling everybody, win your minutes. And uh, so John Collins has been up and down, and Okongwu's been up and down, and Sadiq Bey's been up and down, and Clint Capella's been up and down. And so, unfortunately, at the end of all of that, you probably have to hold on to Capella because he's still a starting center, and it's pretty easy to have big man value in the NBA. Okongwu, he had a really good ball game here, but a lot of that came in garbage time. He actually had 10-5 and five in the first half, but, you know, 6-9 and nine with some defensive stats after halftime, made all of his free throws. You know, th- this is like, this is an as-good-as-it-gets sort of deal for Okongwu. He'd been... His minutes have been bouncing around a bunch. I, I still feel like the Hawks are largely falling into a schedule stream, almost everybody kind of thing. Obviously not Trey or DeJounte Murray, but I mean, you could make a pretty reasonable argument that everybody else on that team is play them when the schedule's good. And now Atlanta has won games over the next five days before their schedule actually gets a bit better on Sunday than they have five over the following eight. But, you know, again, all those fringy guys, to me, they're all pretty droppable and then with Minnesota you got all these really big ball games no surprises on the Minnesota side I just love watching slow-mo go for a triple double 
with four defensive stats, a three ball, five of six shooting, and three of three from the field. He had, by at least by basketball monsters, grading out. He had the best fantasy line of anybody on the night. Slow-mo, baby. God, I love me some slow-mo. It's not, it's it's unhealthy, my love of Kyle Anderson's fantasy game. He's number 77 on the season now. And remember, the first month and a half, he wasn't even really playing because Cat was still out there. Slow-mo's hovering between 50 and 60 for the bulk of the year. And people are like, oh, I just streamed him this week. I get it because they had a bad schedule, but... This dude's been a rosterable play for three and a half months. What a crazy, what a crazy injury stream to fall into. Fall into the slow-mo. What the hell else happened yesterday? Boston did something dumb. They lost at Houston. That is called not taking a game seriously. And honestly, this is great for anybody coming next. Because now the next teams coming in are going to be like, uh, dude, the Rockets won. So we better be careful. I guess that's the, that's the Lakers tomorrow. Okay, well, that's good, you know, for the team I root for. Then the Pelicans the next day, then the Pelicans, or not the next day, but a couple days later, twice. So all of these teams get to look at this last game and go, oh, dang, Rockets just beat the Celtics. We better not screw around. On the Rockets' side, I mean, this is, okay, so Boston, there's no fantasy notes on this game. None. I know Al Holford was slower, but he's been generally pretty damn good lately. Just, like, we're at the point of the season where we know what we know. Houston's side, we talked about Jabari Smith Jr. a ton at the outset here. He technically was the starting center in this ball game, which, and uh, Alperen Sengun was probable in the afternoon yesterday and then was a late scratch with groin soreness. Uh, and then Houston went on and won the ball game, and so I'm sure everybody, you know, I don't want to insert myself in the Opera and Shangun dialogue because it's all kinds of wacky. There's a contingent that wants him to play 40 minutes a ball game and doesn't care about the fact that he is a huge defensive liability because he's a better player for them to run their offense through. There's the opposite side that wants him benched all the time, and it's happening all within the Houston media sphere. I watched them argue on Twitter. One Houston beat reporter basically arguing with another beat reporter or a beat blogger arguing with a reporter. I mean, it's the whole thing. And so this is just going to fuel the fire because Shengun sat this ballgame out and then the Rockets probably got their best win of the year in that same ballgame. But look, Shengun is a good offensive player. The funny thing is no one can ever do anything with, with subtlety anymore. Like, the arguments pro Shengun, it's all posts about how he's the next Nikola Jokic. He's not, people. No one's the next Nikola Jokic in the NBA right now. Nikola's all on a planet by himself. The dude is probably the best passer in the entire NBA. No one else. And Shengun's a decent passer for a big man, but nobody's Jokic. So let's not try to set that bar so high, because then you're just going to end up disappointed. Let's just say... Shengun's got a decent offensive future. Can we do that? And he probably can't guard me. And I don't even really know how to play basketball. That's not true. I know how to play. I'm just very bad at it. So there's the trade-off there. So in this ballgame, they had to rely on other offense, and they got enough of it. Jabari Smith Jr. figuring things out right now was the reason that Houston was able to win this ballgame. He was incredibly efficient. He was a break-even. And honestly, having Kevin Porter Jr. back has helped Jabari Smith Jr. 
Just someone to take the pressure off. Someone to get him a ball in a place where he can do something with it. Jalen Green continues to be troubling. He's got to get the shooting figured out. And then fantasy-wise, you know, I expect Shengun back. That would force Tari Eason back to the bench. Um, which, you know, frankly, isn't the worst thing in the world. Because Eason, alongside all of the big usage guys, Green, KPJ, Jabari Smith, these guys that are all taking a bunch of shots, even KJ Martin took 13, you know, left seven for Tari Eason in 35 minutes. I'd like to see him get up to nine or ten shots per ball game because the rebounds, the defensive stats, all of that stuff is juicy for Tari. Um, either way, he's a he's a hold. I got a I got a should I drop question. I'm like, dude, played 35 minutes last night. No, hold Tari Eason, hold KJ Martin, and you can finally happily hold Jabari Smith Jr. And it shouldn't be hard for the first time all season long. And I would expect Alperin Shengun back for the next ball game. I mean, he was expected to play and then ruled out, and it almost seems like they're saving him for the Laker game because last time he played the Lakers, he went nuts. But that was against Thomas Bryant. Grain of salt, everyone. It's going to be against Anthony Davis this time. That's probably less good. Warriors beat the Suns. The Warriors are also a kind of a funny team to track the dialogue of uh, because every time they win a, a decisive home game against a good team, we all go, oh, my goodness, they're back, baby. And then they go out on the road and they look awful. And we uh, say that they're terrible again. But look. That's the home road Warriors this year. The Warriors are 29 and 7 at home, which I think is like the third or fourth best home record in the NBA. Despite the fact that they are three games over 500, they have one of the best home records in the entire league. And they have one of the worst road records in the NBA. They have the same road record as the Pistons 7 and 26. Crazy. So, home game for the Warriors. Klay Thompson goes bananas. A win over a good opponent. It's worth pointing out, by the way, that Phoenix has depth issues right now. Which, again, that's another thing that sometimes kind of gets covered up at home when the role players that you have, who aren't, frankly, all that good. Look, I like Josh Okoge. He's made a nice little turnaround this year. But he's still Josh Okoge. And this is road iteration Josh Okogie. No hostile environment, all that good stuff. So you still got plenty decent lines from DeAndre Ayton. You got a good line from Devin Booker. Chris Paul was kind of meh, but, you know, not great, not terrible. And then they just got nothing from anybody else. They had three guys on their team that were mildly to decently productive yesterday, and everybody else was terrible. You need more than that to win a road game against a decent team. Now, if you have, say, the best scorer on earth on your team, all that other stuff gets washed away. But they don't for a couple of weeks. Talking, of course, of Kevin Durant. So, they went into San Francisco, and the Warriors beat them. Dante DiVincenzo was slower in this one. He's still a hold as long as Andrew Wiggins is dealing with personal stuff. I don't feel like I need to repeat that over and over again, but I do, just because. Kevon Looney's a schedule play, and with the Warriors have a decent schedule here coming up. Uh, Jermichael Green has actually kind of played his way into a schedule play, but that's only because uh, Jonathan Kaminga's been out. If he is indeed back, he becomes a schedule play as well. For Phoenix, you probably were already on the schedule stuff with them. They have three games in four days to start the week. Then you abandon ship on whatever fringy sun you may have thrown onto your fantasy team. 
For Milwaukee, Brooke Lopez and Trey Lyles got ejected uh, basically at the end. Ballgame was effectively over. Uh, Giannis dribbled in front of Trey Lyles while dribbling out the clock. Lyles didn't like it, so he committed kind of a hard foul at center court. Brooke Lopez got in his face. Uh, high shoves were thrown. We'll find out if there's a suspension. I don't remember seeing a clear punch. It seemed like sort of upper shoulder shoves, but we'll find out. Um, if those guys get suspended, for Milwaukee, it opens the door for Bobby Portis, who probably is going to have an open door anyway because Giannis might sit a back-to-back. This is a tough back-to-back travel from Sacramento to Phoenix. Middleton's definitely sitting the back-to-back, so expect a better game out of someone like a Grayson Allen. Um, Pat Connaughton probably gets a little bit better. Allen, Grayson Allen you might consider in Roto. You definitely consider as a head-to-head play because Milwaukee's another team with a good schedule to start the week. Roto's side, if you want to try to squeeze a game out of Joe Ingles and Bobby Portis tonight, those are the ones that I would look at and say, yeah, those make sense. And by the way, Phoenix, they're also kind of on a tough travel back-to-back because they were also in the Bay Area, and they have to fly home for this back-to-back set. But it's a little easier when you got the sort of home juice in you. Uh, otherwise, on the Kings side, Keegan Murray has slid back down into a schedule play zone. He's been losing minutes to Trey Lyles. He lost some to Kessler Edwards in the previous ball game. Um, Malik Monk, he was, he lost his minutes to Kevin Herter. Or not, I don't say lose them, but he didn't steal them from Herter. But with these two teams, you're really looking at the individual game decisions. Sacramento has a glorious schedule starting tomorrow. So if you like any of these fringy kings, I mean, Trey Lyles gets ejected. That kind of screws that one up because he would have been the five and seven guy I would have looked at. But Malik Monk uh, is a five and seven. If Keegan got dropped for kind of stinking, he would be a streamable guy. Harrison Barnes is probably rostered. Kevin Herter probably rostered. But you look at a lot of these guys on Sacramento going five and seven nights starting tomorrow. That's a key spot. And then again with Milwaukee, Portis, if Giannis or Brooke Lopez is out for this ball game as a one gamer, uh, Ingles. Uh, if Middleton, I would say maybe you need someone else out. I would like to see Middleton and Giannis out to go the Ingles route. But uh, there is some stuff on the board that could be Roto-friendly on that Milwaukee side. So that is your uh, Monday recap. It's time to segue now into playoff streaming calendars. All my Roto listeners have, have gone into full tune-out mode. Um, time for me to make that window a little bit bigger, too. I, I apologize to the YouTube viewers that I didn't make the box scores larger. It probably was harder for you guys to see. All right, so here's what we're working with here. This is actually a critical day, Tuesday. I know it's weird to say that Tuesday's uh, a kind of a mission-critical day or for streaming decisions, but it is. And the reason I say that is because there were a couple of teams that had a game on Monday that don't play for a while. We talked about the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, we talked about the Utah Jazz, who have a particularly atrocious schedule the rest of the week. And those are clubs where you need to get off of anyone who's not a supremely high talent. So, yeah, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, those guys you can hang out with. Maybe even Clint Capella on Atlanta, because at least they have two games the rest of the week. But, like, with Utah, as we mentioned earlier in the show... One and done for the Jazz. Um, so everybody besides Walker Kessler and Lowry Markinen, those guys are are donezo. But 
here's the thing. They're not the only situation where you can look at these types of moves. Because there are, I think, four or five teams that have four games the rest of this week starting today. Denver, the Lakers, the Magic, the Spurs, and the Raptors. Five teams still have four games left this week. That's a really nice opportunity to drop someone who only has one or two games left this week and pivot to someone with four. However, however, if one of those teams you're looking at that has uh, specifically two games left this week, if that's the club that you're looking to get off of, you have that decision to make that we talked about on yesterday's show. By the way, Donovan Mitchell just got ruled out while we were on air, which is absolutely atrocious. Uh, my head-to-head team that's still alive has Donovan Mitchell and Kyrie Irving. Wee Head-to-head, you idiotic format. I... S- oh. Deep breath, Dan. It happened in the middle of a podcast. Pull yourself back together. Okay. So if you're talking about the Jazz, it's an easy decision because you can make a move off of Utah to someone with four games left this week. That's a three-game bump. There is literally nothing you could do to convince me that getting three extra games isn't a good idea. Easy call. You need to use a roster move. Or honestly, if you have two Jazz, you need to use two roster moves. You just you can't sit on those guys that are not Lowry Markinen and not Walker Kessler. Can't do it. Their schedule is too terrible. Utah doesn't play until Saturday. Good Lord. But some of these other teams that have, like, kind of bad schedules this week, and the Knicks have a bad schedule, they're a two-gamer, but they play tonight. Uh, Atlanta, who went yesterday, they still have two more games this week. But Charlotte, two games this week, they play tonight. This type of stuff is important because now you make a decision... And you guys know I talk about if you're going to make a move in head-to-head early in the week, you need to gain at least two games from it. You can get a two-game bump from, you know, Charlotte is a good example. Let's say you have Nick Richards on your team or Dennis Smith Jr. or something like that. And you're thinking, okay, do I move on from these guys? Well, now you're actually comparing the game tonight for for Charlotte or New York is the other option against the player you're picking up. Because even if you waited until after tonight, you would still be gaining two games from that roster move this week. And you actually have more options of teams to pick from if you wait through the Charlotte or New York game tonight. I saw some folks on Twitter saying, like, you just got to get off of Charlotte. You got to get off of New York. I agree with the caveat that you don't have to do it until tomorrow. Tomorrow you got to do it because those teams have one game left over the five remaining days this week, and you can turn that into three games over the remaining five days left this week. So you still get a two-game bump. But the beauty is you actually get to compare tonight the player you'd be dropping against the player you'd be picking up because they'd both be playing on the same night. So let's say hypothetically you're looking at all the teams that have four games left the rest of this week, which I think we said was five of them, and... I don't know. Who's floating around out there? Gary Trent's been dropped in a lot of places because he's been bad. Let's say you're comparing a pickup of Gary Trent against playing Dennis Smith Jr. today or going Dennis Smith Jr. today and then picking between Trent or actually more teams 
that have three games the rest of the week starting tomorrow. Because instead of looking for four and six, you're only looking for three and five. That's actually easier to find. That includes Boston, Chicago, Denver, the Warriors, the Rockets, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Heat, the Wolves. How many am I at? Am I at 10 right now? The Magic, the Sixers, the Kings, the Spurs, the Raptors. Half of the NBA has three games over the final five days of this week. So that's why I advocate for actually hanging on to a Charlotte Hornet or a New York Knickerbocker tonight and give yourself way more streaming opportunities or choices, really, tomorrow. Plus, if you want to go this route and you went with a team tomorrow that has three games in four nights, you could actually move back off of that player on Sunday. Whereas if you're going for a team that has four games in six days starting today, I believe that every single one of those teams finishes out their four and six. Yeah, they have to on Sunday. The Lakers at least have a back-to-back. So that gives you an opportunity to maybe abandon ship a little earlier, as do the Spurs. But there's just a lot of options if you let your Hornet or your Nick play their game today. However, as I said already, if you're comparing player versus player and the pickup is better than the drop, that's fine. Either way, though, remember, today or tomorrow, you can still add two games to your weekly ledger, and that has to be the goal. And if you can do that with four weekly moves and add ten games to your long streaming ledger, or sorry, eight games, that's a, I mean, that's a colossal jump. In what you're able to do. Colossal jump. Crazy. Absolutely crazy how much you can get. Especially this week with some of the really weird schedules out there. So again, you know, you don't want to use too many moves early in the week. Uh, but I would strongly advocate you have to get off of any Utah Jazz that are not a top 30 or 40 play. Um, and you can look at getting off of uh, Atlanta Hawks as well. Um, and then if you can, hang on to your Hornets or Knicks through at least one more day and then make your pivot on that one. And that is your Tuesday show, everybody. Thank you to all of my wonderful recorded listeners who I managed to go an entire program with without doing any promo of any kind, which means you're getting one now. And it's about the baseball draft guide. You guys know that's what's going to pr- that's going to be the promo every day right now. I need you guys to check that out. It's at sportsethos.com. You click on the premium tab and you choose get premium. But here's the thing. You can get a fantasy pass, which has both baseball and basketball in it right now. And the fantasy pass gets you the premium projections. It gets you the premium tools like the streaming guide that you guys have seen on your screen here. You guys can actually get access to an Excel version of that to take home yourself. It gets you the baseball draft guide. It gets you baseball and basketball in-season content. And all of that is just 5 99 for a month. There is no lock in place. You can get it for one month and then you can cancel. If you love it, you can roll it through the baseball season. If you get a fantasy pass now also and you hold it through the baseball season, then it loops back around and you get the basketball stuff and you don't get locked into the six-month lock at that point. So there's a ton of reasons if you already have a fantasy pass to just keep it on or if you're thinking about getting one, getting it now. On top of all of that, folks that have a fantasy pass through the basketball offseason get the Brewski 150 five days before anyone else in a fantasy pass for the late buyers. 
So that's another reason to get it now. Sportsethos.com. Click on the premium tab. Choose get premium. Recorded listeners. Much love. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Oh, I'm Dan Vespers. You guys knew that, though. Goodbye for real.